This is week 29 in our series on the book of Revelation. I've titled this week's message, Waiting in the Wilderness. So before we get started, let me set for you a visual scene here with a couple of informative pictures. This is what the wilderness in Israel looks like. So when you hear the word wilderness in the scripture, I don't want you to think like beautiful forest mountains and a gentle, quiet brook and stream with a, with a little deer lapping up the water. It's nothing like that. It's, it's a harsh, rough environment. So about 20 years ago, maybe a little over 20 years ago, Laura and I were gifted with an incredible trip to Israel. And it was such an informative 14 days. It really kind of set the standard for how I would view the Old Testament from that day forward. One night, our for our stay from food and water, electricity, entertainment, nice, comfortable mattresses on the ground. But I remember our Bedouin host gathered us together before the evening started and warned of us. There's about 25 of us in the group. <clears throat> they said, do not wander off in the wilderness alone, like they had to tell me, right? But whatever. <laughs> Do not wander off in the wilderness alone. Stay with the camp. Because believe it or not, it may look barren, but there are dangerous animals that come out at night, dangerous beasts in the wilderness, along with deadly scorpions and snakes. At night, stay in your tents. You have everything you need to wait until the morning when we come and get you. Come and get us? Where are you staying? What? <laughs> You're not with us? <laughs> so I remember, I remember in our group there was one particularly rambunctious 18-year-old. I can't relate to being a rambunctious 18-year-old, so it was really foreign to me, but there was this one 18-year-old kid who didn't stay in the tent. And then we heard a shriek right outside, and our hosts, our Bedouin hosts, sprinted to his aid, and they killed this huge scorpion. It was like, like this long, or this long, or th this long. Apparently, they told us later, this is the deadliest species of scorpion in all of Israel. When we heard, all 25 of us in that beautiful tent, we all moved our cots into a four square foot area in the center, <laughs> one on top of the other, just waiting for the morning. So let's look at our passage today from Revelation chapter 12. When the dragon saw he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. You guys remember we covered all that means last week. <clears throat> but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished or cared for for a time, times, and half a time. We'll explain that again later. Verse 15, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the, more, with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So... This is actually a very difficult passage to interpret if you just read it on its own. Do you guys remember when we went through the seven trumpets, we showed how all of those trumpets were actually linked to the ten plagues that Pharaoh experienced in the Exodus story when Pharaoh refused to set Israel free from slavery? 
Well, this passage links directly to the next part of that story when Israel left Egypt and Pharaoh pursued them across the desert right to the Red Sea. Interpreting this passage without the Old Testament story of Exodus open right next to it gives you almost no chance of getting it right. So you guys remember the story, in case you don't, just give you the cliff notes here. After Israel escaped Pharaoh's army, God led Israel safely into the wilderness for 40 years while they waited for the promised land. And there he protected them. He let them grow as a nation. He prepared them to be able to take possession of the land he had promised Abraham. The next four chapters, or the next few chapters we're going to go through, talks about that story. But this here takes the story of Exodus and turns it into a gospel story. It becomes our Exodus, the day Jesus returns to the world and makes it our promised land. So I want you to see the first thing that happens. He says, the woman is chaste. Now, John's readers, being mostly Jewish, would have immediately recognized, oh, a woman chaste. They knew that the woman represented Israel and God's faithful. They would have immediately linked to the story of Israel being chased by an angry Pharaoh. You remember Pharaoh besieged by the plagues, finally relents. He lets Israel go, but he was angry about it and changes his mind and he decides to chase after the nation. He scrambles all of his military might, all of his horses, all of his chariots, all of his soldiers, everything, and he pursues Israel hard all the way to the Red Sea. You remember the story. So John has already established that the woman represents all of God's chosen faithful throughout redemption. Here, I believe the woman specifically being pursued by the dragon represents all the faithful during the early first century and maybe second century apostolic church. That's who's being pursued. Then these eagle's wings. What about those? Exodus 19.4 says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Eagle's wings. This is an undeniable reference to America, right? (laughs) Just kidding. It's not. (laughs) This is another crystal clear, undeniable link to the story in Exodus, as you see in Exodus 19.4. John's readers would have immediately seen, ah, eagle's wings. That's the story of Exodus, where God rescued Israel and brought them safely to the wilderness to be protected from Pharaoh. In that story, God intervened with the parting of the Red Sea. Israel escapes through, and then Pharaoh's army pursues, and the Red Sea closes in and swallows them up. Pharaoh's army is destroyed. Did you know that in the Old Testament, every reference to eagles or eagles' wings in the Old Testament is a symbol of God rescuing his faithful from her enemies that want to pursue her and kill her. Every one of them. Under God's guidance and under his care, he safely secured and whisked Israel away from all the danger they were facing into the safety of the wilderness, those pictures that I showed you earlier. And there, the scripture says in our passage today, they were nourished in the wilderness. Israel's life wasn't easy there in the wilderness, as you can imagine. Yes, they were safe from Pharaoh, but there's no food. There's no water. There are dangerous beasts. There's harsh weather. 
At one point, the people complained to Moses, life is terrible here in the wilderness. Let us go back to being slaves in Egypt. At least there we had a roof over our head and water and food. As a matter of fact, it was so bad. I want you to understand that life in the wilderness was so hard. Israel's very survival depended upon God patiently sustaining them every day for 40 years as they waited for the promised land. They were nourished in the wilderness. He fed them with manna from heaven. Do you remember that story? A symbol of God's word. He gave them water from a rock. Do you remember that story? Jesus, the living water. He gave them a cloud for shade during the day and a pillar of fire at night. Not only did they need God's provision, but they also needed his correction and his guidance. It's there he gave them the Ten Commandments in the book of the law. And the scripture says in our passage today that he nourished the woman there for time, times, and half a time. We've talked about this symbol of this 1,260 days, which is three and a half years or time, times, and half a time. A bunch of times, right? It's come up three or four times in our study. It's describing the length of time the woman spends in the wilderness being protected from the dragon. We've explained this symbolism a few times, but today here's another description of it. 1,260 days, three and a half years, time, times, half a time. All of that, that period was always seen in the Old Testament as a symbol. Did you know that? For all those times that Israel was being persecuted by foreign invaders into the land and they had to escape. When John's readers saw this symbolic number, this symbolic time period, they would see it as a direct link to the many times that this happened to Israel, where the promised land was invaded by evil outsiders who persecuted them and they had to run for their lives. Foreign invaders like Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome all invaded Israel and brutally persecuted God's faithful. And during these persecutions, God's people get this now. This is all throughout the Old Testament. Every time this happened, where did God's people run? To the wilderness to escape persecution. The symbolism of time, times, and half a time, they paint the dragon and his demon horde invaders who are persecuting God's people as they invade the promised land. So that's the history. This is what John's readers would be thinking of as they read through this passage, the story of Exodus. Look at the theological part of our passage today. I've called this the church in the wilderness. We're going to take these symbols that they would connect with Old Testament Exodus story and give them a New Testament meeting for you. First of all, we see that Satan pursues the woman. When Satan lost that war in heaven that we were learning about a couple of weeks ago, and he desperately became panicky. He's filled with rage-fueled anxiety. He's failed to destroy the line of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. From Abraham, from Cain, and Abel, and Seth, King David, he failed. And then he failed to destroy Jesus when Jesus was born. He has only one target left now as an object of his rage and panic. It is the woman representing the faithful of God, and he chases after her hard. Just as Pharaoh gathered his army to pursue Israel, the dragon gathers his demon horde that we learned about a few weeks ago during the trumpets and goes after the early church. He wants to destroy the early church before she even has a chance to get started to preach the gospel and have more offspring. 
But God provides her rescue on the great eagle's wings. That symbol comes up again. Because the evil enemy has invaded the land when he was cast down from heaven. Do you guys remember that from last week? Think of the wings of eagles as the Holy Spirit who calls God's chosen out of darkness and into his glorious light. Let's look at the flood of lies. That's an interesting symbol, isn't it? The dragon fails to kill the woman before she escapes, and he tries to use a flood from his mouth to carry her away. We have seen in Revelation several times, what is it exactly that comes out of the dragon's mouth, the devil's mouth? Lies, deception. The word devil means deceiver. The waters flowing from his mouth in this passage represent the devil's relentless attempt to flood the woman, the early church, with deception. We've learned about some of those in our series on 1st and 2nd Peter and 1st and 2nd 3rd John, the, the Gnostics in the early 1st century church, how they would invade the church with bad theology. And Jesus even warned the church once that the tribulation started, which we are now in, this tribulation that John says we are all partners in. He warned them that the enemy would come after her with powerful lies and deception. Back to our good old friend Matthew 24, which much of Revelation is based upon. Look what Jesus said. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. You see who the lies are targeted toward? The faithful woman. He spews his gushing, raging river of lies, aims them right at us, hoping to deceive God's chosen. They represent this, this flood of lies, all his attempts to destroy the church from within with false teaching. But then the scripture says the earth comes to help. This is an interesting symbol too. The dragon could not deceive the elect with his flood of lies. The earth swallows up his flood of falsehoods. The earth becomes in this story sort of personified, right? It now has an active role in this war against evil as it does many times throughout the story of redemption. The earth becomes an ally to the woman. We see it in Romans 8 when Paul said the earth groans for redemption. We see it, Jesus, in Luke 19, he says, if you don't worship, the very rocks will cry out. This is not the first time the earth became active in the story. And the symbolism, this is great. The symbolism of being swallowed up, that phrase, the earth swallowed it up, is another undeniable link to our beautiful story in Exodus. You ready for this? It's going to blow you away. Look at Exodus 15, 9 through 12. The enemy said, I will pursue... Sound familiar? I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You, God, stretch out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. John's readers would have immediately gone right to here. Remember how God destroyed Pharaoh's army in the Exodus story? God swallowed up Pharaoh's army with the Red Sea. Throughout the Old Testament, being swallowed up by the earth was a metaphor for a shocking, catastrophic defeat. Let me figure out a best way to describe this. Um, it would be like, for example, man, last night the Seminoles kicked Miami's butt. <laughs> Did you see that game? 45 to 3, it was a whitewash. It was a butt kicking. Now we understand the Seminoles weren't actually on the field going around kicking Miami's butt. It's a metaphor 
for a total whitewash. A disastrous defeat. A beautiful, glorious victory, amen? Stupid hurricane fans, whatever. <laughs> That's what being swallowed up in victory is like. Like when you say, man, they got their butts kicked. It's a symbol of all those times in Israel's history where God preserved his people from evil when all seemed lost. And John is describing this catastrophic defeat of the dragon and his flood of lies. And now after this, the dragon's even more angry. The dragon's even more desperate, and he knows he's running out of time. And the scripture says he turns his rage toward the woman's offspring. Those who keep God's commandments and remain faithful, that is us. That's the church age throughout the rest of the tribulation until Jesus returns. That's really cool theology, isn't it? Let's look at the personal section. What are we supposed to do with this? How do we apply it to our lives today? I've entitled the personal section this week, Camping in the wilderness. This was a sermon preview this week. Don't put any hope in this wilderness. We're just camping here, waiting on our new home. All these symbols, listen carefully. The dragon's pursuit of the woman, her being carried to safety by an eagle, God nourishing her in the wilderness for 1,260 days, the flood of lies coming from the dragon's mouth, the earth swallowing them up. It's all painting a beautiful picture. It's a story that teaches us how we should really see our life on this earth, in this wilderness that we are camping in right now, today. Look at this prophecy from Ezekiel 34. It's a beautiful prophecy of the church. I will make with them a covenant of peace. That's the new covenant that Jesus was talking about. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in wilderness and sleep or camp in the woods. That's cool, isn't it? See, I just don't make this stuff up. It's in the Bible. It's really cool right there, right? So, so Ezekiel's prophecy, this covenant of peace with his people sleeping or camping in the woods, that's about us. That's about you. That's about me. Spiritually, right now today, in this tribulation, we are camping in the wilderness. This is not our permanent home. God is sustaining us while we wait. He has banished the beasts who desire to destroy us. More on the beasts starting next week. There's a bunch of them. But right now, we are safe in the wilderness, in our tents, in the middle, until morning. You know, before you became a follower of Jesus... You were being chased by the dragon who wanted to destroy your soul, and you didn't even know it. But like Israel from Egypt, like the woman from the dragon, here's what happened. God's spirit carried you away on eagle's wings to safety in the wilderness. And you are here today, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time or just a short time, you are here today camping in the wilderness waiting out this tribulation, waiting to go back into the promised land when God evicts the evader, invaders. Yes, it's true. Even today, we are surrounded by this ridiculous flood of lies from the dragon's mouth. But the dragon's lies don't work on the elect.
And God is nourishing us in this wilderness, in this tribulation, through his word, the manna, through his people, and through the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He promised us he would be with us, did he not? Through this tribulation until the end of the age, the day he returns and evicts those evil invaders. Didn't he say that? I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what he was talking about, him nourishing us in the wilderness. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 14. For, we, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. This wilderness that we live in is temporary. Jesus will make a new heaven and a new earth free from the dragon, and that will be our permanent home. And on that day, he will swallow the evil invaders up. He will restore the earth to become a place where God will dwell with his people. On that day, we will exit the wilderness. On that morning, we will enter back into the promised land, a world that has been rid of all the disgusting evil that has been trying to kill us the whole time. You know, but I think, though, as beautiful a picture as that is, I think too many Christians get distracted by no lasting city here on earth, don't we? We fall in love with camping in the wilderness. We get passionate about making the wilderness, whether it's your neighborhood or your country, like the promised land. We think somehow... We have the calling and the power and the ability to make America or whatever country you live in heaven on earth. I'm not saying that we can't try to make life a little better in the wilderness. But church, listen to me. It will always be the wilderness until Jesus returns. Look what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. There it is again. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So here we are. In this wilderness, we're protected, but we're also under constant siege. The dragon has not given up. He's still making war on the woman's offspring. And we are surviving here spiritually. We're kind of roughing it while God nourishes us until the day Jesus returns to restore the earth. And as followers of Jesus, we should stop trying to get so comfortable in the wilderness. Amen? Listen, this is not our home, church. We are camping in tents. I was tempted to go through all the places in the New Testament and the Old Testament to talk about people dwelling in tents. I stopped because we have to have a meeting after church and you guys would be here till like 2 o'clock. It's all over the place. It's beautiful. We shouldn't get too discouraged in the wilderness either, by the way. Together as people of God, we can live in hope. Some of you today, I'm sorry to say, some of you today have gotten too comfortable in the wilderness. You need to be reminded this is not your home. This is not a city that lasts forever. Some of you today, on the other side, are completely discouraged and distraught in this wilderness. You need to be reminded that Jesus has overcome. This wilderness is not our home. Did I say that already once before? Yes, I did. I'm saying it again. 
We are just waiting here in safety until our Jesus returns to destroy the dragon once and for all. Until then, we pitch our tents together. We share campfires. We gather. We comfort one another with the promises of Jesus. When one of us tries to wander out into the wilderness alone, we grab them by the scruff of the neck, pull them back. You know, this is one of the reasons why I love recovery ministry so much. That's what they do. We together comfort one another with the promises of Jesus. Until then, until then, as God nourishes us through this tribulation, we know that no weapon formed against us, whether it be a flood of lies or a demon horde or anything else, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every time, no matter how powerful the dragon's schemes may be, the earth will swallow them up and kick his butt in total defeat. Until then, though, we have a job. We carry the gospel, warning other people about the dragon that is chasing them and this war between good and evil. We will tell them about Jesus, how he has overcome evil. We will tell them and invite them into the safety of our wilderness campground the place where God nourishes us all together for the rest of this age, the rest of this tribulation, until Jesus returns. Church, this is our life in the wilderness. We are camping. We are surviving together, waiting for the dragon's time to run out. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the picture of the Exodus story. Thank you so much how you use that as a symbol to encourage us about what we are going through today. Yes, maybe we didn't realize it, but now we realize, you know what, God, it really does feel like a wilderness here sometimes. But Lord, we're thankful that you are nourishing us through your word, through your people, and through your spirit. Lord, help us not to get too comfortable here no city built in this wilderness will last, but there's a city to come that will be forever, that promised land. We can't wait for that morning when you return and we can leave our tents in the wilderness and begin to dwell with you for all eternity.